Buckle up. Thank you for listening to Musicians and Beyond, where we bring you the backstage information on the life, lyrics, and long journeys of the music industry. Today's episode number two is brought to you by the wonderful people of Distillery 43, the small batch spirit with a big flavor. Excellent. Well, thank you, John. Welcome back. It's good to be back in uh, the studio for our second episode. Um, we're looking forward to uh, our enjoying our conversation with our guest today. And one thing we just want to make sure people out there that are listening, what they, what they can expect to get from the uh, Musicians and Beyond podcast, we're looking to talk a lot about music in general, not just lyrics, not just um, musicians. We're talking to everybody in the industry and every area, the wide spectrum of genres. The uh, We'll be having some guests that you may never have heard of and some guests that you will definitely have heard of in the past. And, and we'll be uh, going over the not only the bands, but the people on the road, people behind the scenes, the roadies, the uh, engineers, the producers. So we're looking forward to bringing you something that we hope other podcasts aren't and other conversations that aren't being had uh, in, in the music industry. So let's get going. Great. So today's guest was, was recommended by a good friend of mine and fellow podcaster, uh, Debbie Catalano, who does a podcast called It's Another Sunday Podcast with uh, Jerry DeViller. She reached out to me and she said, John, I got the most wonderful person with the talents that just go beyond you could ever imagine. And she has a great story to tell. So I'd like to introduce Miss Erica Mantone. Thank you for coming. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. So let's let's hear a little bit about you and how you got into the music and everything. Uh, wow. Uh, I come from a family of musicians. My dad's a musician. He's in a band. He lives up on the North Shore. He's in a band called Who's Muddy Shoes. Um, so I grew up around music. I had, my grandmother was an organ player. My other grandmother was a lounge singer way back in the day. Um, so music just was always a thing. It, it was never really a question. I remember being very young, probably like seven or eight, and we were listening to some like, my parents were total hippies, by the way. So we were listening to some folk music and singing along. And I actually remember having this very distinct moment of like not wanting to sing too loud because I was afraid they would see that I had a good voice. Like I knew, which sounds horribly conceited, but it was like a weird, powerful moment of like, <laughs> don't let them know. <laughs> and But uh, yeah, I just always sang whenever there was an opportunity to sing. So right. I, I always did. And then when I was 12, I started taking voice lessons. Oh, that's so cool. Just, so you were the little girl running around the house in the... Pajamas and slippers with the uh, Barbie guitar? Or? Uh, no, um, <laughs> that's not really my thing. But I was the little girl, you know, taking whatever dress-up clothes we could find and trying to dress like Madonna. That definitely happened. There was a lot of, you know, inspiration. There was this show in the 80s called Kids Incorporated, which was it's incredibly cheesy. But there was a the oldest singer on it. Her name is Martika. She had a hit song in, like, 88 called Toy Soldier. And I remember reading about her in Tiger Beat magazine, and she started taking voice lessons when she was 12, and I started taking voice lessons when I was 12, so I was pretty much convinced we were on the same track. That's great. <laughs> That's cool. So you do a lot of things. Um, you're a singer. You're a songwriter. You're a musician. Um, you're an engineer. You do some promotion of music. Yeah. You do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I don't know about the engineering thing. I mean, I know how I wouldn't know how that works, that's for sure. That like, <laughs> whatever, I don't even know what that is. John can do it. It's a lot easier than you think. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Um 
Um, yeah, but I, you know, I've been singing forever and I've also been producing some organizations and shows in the last, you know, five or six years. You revitalized an, an old show, is it? Yeah, well, I revi- Well, I, I revi- helped revitalize. I don't, I don't like taking full credit for anything, but be conceited. I ha- it's okay. I'm not, it's not my thing. Um, I helped revitalize the Boston Rock Opera. It was an organization that existed sort of like, I think in like the early 2000s, and they had done a bunch of shows of literally like rock operas, Jesus Christ Superstar, but then some other like lesser known ones. And um, it, it, it came about because I had this idea. I was at once at a show, once in Somerville at a show once, and um, one time watching a show, and I I was looking at the stage, and I'm like, God, this would be a really cool place to do hair. And I've always wanted to do hair, and that in of itself, it makes me very conceited because I was like, I want to do hair, so how can I make it happen, even though I am probably too old to be in this show? So I um, kind of worked through ideas of like how I could make it happen. And I had some friends in the music scene that had been involved in the Boston Rock Opera. Linda Vianz is one of them um, and said, hey, how would this work? And so she hooked me up with the original sort of producer and director of it, um, Eleanor Ramsey. And we met and I basically I sold her on the idea. That's great. That's Glad awesome. You did. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you with that uh, now. Where you put on your shows, and do you have any coming up? Well, the, those the Boston Rock Opera shows. No, we haven't really done anything in a number of years. Okay. Um, we did all of the shows we had done actually within the revitalization period. Was mm-hmm. that they were all at once? Okay, in Somerville. That's cool. And it's in funny we're, we're broadcasting from uh, Malden, Massachusetts, which uh, I believe Gary Sharon, who is from Malden, was in Jesus Christ Superstar. He was, yeah. And he's actually a f- uh, personal friend of mine and Mark's. So. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, um, his brother Mark was involved in one of the Boston Rock Opera perform- We The first one we did was a it's called Stardust to Black Star, and it was the idea of doing the first conception album of Bowie and his last conception album. Wow. So we did both albums in, in their entirety. And um, Mark played, I think, on the first one. Excellent. On the first set, yeah. Nice, nice. He was a very sweet guy. <laughs> you, um, they all you, are. you have a big history of uh, different nominations for awards, and you know, where do you get time to do all this stuff? Well, so my, one of my things is doing session work. That's that's sort of how I I think I kind of became part of the Boston music scene was um, just singing backing vocals for several different bands, and then from there having people in those bands or studios and producers ask me to come in and sing backing vocals for them. And it came about because I watched 20 Feet from Stardom and I wanted to be Lisa Fisher. I, my entire life is about who I want to be. Um, <laughs> Aren't they all? They should be. You have an identity <laughs> crisis. Yeah, it's true. Um, so Lisa Fisher, who is part of the 20 Feet from Stardom movie and she has actually also made her career just doing backing vocals and is almost, almost reticent to be in the spotlight. And I very much identified with that. So, um, yeah, I've been doing session work for a number of years and I got... I've gotten three nominations for Boston Music Awards. Well, for congratulations. That's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, I went through your credentials, and I mean, I don't even have enough time on this podcast to list all the things that you've been uh, credited with, but congratulations on all of those. Thanks. And a huge congratulations, Mark, is coming up for this young lady. Uh, she is releasing her first album, and that's right around the corner. Yep. And she refers to this album as her baby. All her time, effort, and love has gone into it. And I'd like to hear a little bit about it, and maybe we can talk about a couple of the songs, and we can play a couple of the songs so the 
the listeners can hear. Um, what brought you to, you know, put all this time effort into releasing an album? So I kind of did it because I actually got sick of people being like, oh, no, you should be in the center stage. You should. I, I feel like there's this ironic twist to what I did because it was almost like I wrote songs to prove to people I wasn't going to be that good at writing them. Um, <laughs> because I was like, see, I shouldn't be in the center stage. I'm better at singing session. And you were so music. wrong. I don't you know weren't. about that. I'm, you know, yeah, jerk. your stuff is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. But yeah, I just wanted to... You know, I guess part of it is a bucket list thing. Like, what an incredible thing to be able to do when you're, you know, old and ready to leave this planet. And you can say, well, I have my own album. I did this. So that's it's sort of, that's sort of how it came about. I just charged myself with the mission of creating this. Yeah, that's excellent. And when it does come out, uh, how are people able to get this album? So um, it will be released. um going to be called I May Have Asked For This, which is his own story. Uh, and... Um, it will be available on all streaming platforms. So whatever your chosen platform is, you know, Spotify, it's going to be on Bandcamp. It'll be on iTunes and Amazon Music and all of the Pandora, I guess. I don't know. One of the things John mentioned is that you came up doing a lot of session work. And, and you've talked a little bit about that with a lot of different bands and I'm sure a lot of different genres. Where would you say this album fits in? Um, it, I would say it doesn't. Um, <laughs> I, I gave, I gave the album the genre type of noir Americana. I don't know if that's an accurate thing. I mean, it is if you said it. I, yeah. Right. I made it. Um, I noticed that and as we were creating these songs that they all, some of them have a kind of noir vibe to them. I was like, every time I would listen to it, I was like, Ooh, that reminds me of something you'd hear on Twin Peaks. And so that's the noir concept and then americana just because from it does have a little bit of like country it's rooted it, you know a roots kind of vibe with harmonies which are everything for me as a session singer i just i pretty much is like could i just have all the harmonies all the time please so um that's kind of how i created the name for it mm -hmm. noir americana oh good for you <laughs> all right well let's listen to one of your songs let's listen to miss me too it's a great song. It's a duo with uh, Nate Levitt, and he, the two of you just have a fantastic chemistry in this song. We'll listen to this, and then I want to hear about what you just said about how you got the title. I actually read on it, and I think the listeners would like to hear that. So let's take a listen to Miss Me Too by Erica Mantone. I know you miss me, I miss me too So sad to know that you are so far gone I keep hoping that you'll come back home I know you miss me, I miss me too I know you miss me, I miss me too Life hasn't been the same since I lost you Been trying to find my way but it's hard to do I know you miss me, I miss me too We've been going through some changes 
let's walk away once before Sometimes I feel blame that I'm not sure I like to find a way that's okay Cause I know you miss me Yeah, I miss me Sadness without a song. You're living in your pain, it does you wrong. I know you'll come back before too long. I know you miss me. I miss me too. Awesome. That was great, Erica. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. It's very impressive. And uh, like I said before, you and Nate Nate have a wonderful chemistry there. And, you know, his voice, his raspiness, uh, you know, the two of you play off uh, each other wonderfully. So let's get back and tell us about how you named the album. It's a pretty interesting name and a great story. Okay. So I guess the trope of all of the songs have are rooted in, you know, my journey through relationships, not necessarily like the relationship itself, but more like my psychological and emotional journey through it. And I kept joking that this was all about my emotional BDSM, meaning the sort of abuse I'm willing to take in order to um, go through with something, even though it's almost never going to work out. And, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of feedback from the people I was working with were like, I don't know if that's the right move in the right way people want to see you so we're kind of struggling with a name and there was one night we were I was at a bar I was at Sally O'Brien's in Somerville Massachusetts um for all you non-Bostonians and I was at a show and I think someone had called me up to sing and I kind of rolled my eyes I wasn't really feeling it and Dan Nicklin who is my producer from Henley Rose Studios looked at me and he smiled he's like you love this and I just kind of like I may have asked for this and then I looked at it, I was like, and that's what we're naming the album. And then I just went on stage and sang. So That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so the inspirations that come from the songs, your relationships, your life going along. Um, you're a songwriter. Working on it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if so, I, I, I'm still not comfortable calling myself that, but yes. Well, you, I, I, I. I wrote songs. <laughs> there you go. Then you are a songwriter. Um, tell me about your writing style and process. So 
how it all came about. I actually, I want to say, you know, I give a lot of credit to Dan and Nate in this album specifically, but I guess this is actually how I've always played around with writing songs is that I'll come up with a lick or a riff or a hook that just sort of gets stuck in my head. And then I, you know, you know at, like every single other songwriter I know has their phone on them all the time where they can just hit record and go. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I noticed that there's a, a theme to having to be in motion to really write music. Like everyone's like, you have to sit down and be disciplined. But every single song I wrote is whether I was either driving or walking. Um, so I would come up with some sort of hook and I would go to Dan and Nate at the studio. We would meet every Wednesday night and I'd be like, I got this. And, um, you know, Dan is a really interesting character in that he can not play an instrument and all of a sudden like you can watch him hear the entire song in a second and it's very cool to watch it, it really is something uh you, you touched on something because in episode one eric haynes talks about one of his writing partners and how they sit down and his partner doesn't play any instruments yeah but all of a sudden he'll hear eric play something and off he goes yeah it's it's absolutely fun. that's why i chose to work with him as a producer in the first place because i had done some sessions with him in his band old jack and I was like just watching him create and like hear how he wanted this to go. I was like, this is so cool. And so that, and it's kind of what had happened. And he'd be like, wait, wait, okay, this is what I'm hearing. And he'd kind of try to hum it out. And like, and then Nate would sort of play this magical guessing game. And like somehow the three of us Frankenstein songs together. That's how I equated all of it. Like every single song is its own monster that we Frankenstein together. Love it. Let me ask you one more thing about, you know, coming up as a session singer, you, you've got your own album coming out now. What other albums have you been on in the background that, that you've, you've contributed to? Um, I, I think the one that's like, you know, the most famous is I was on Buffalo Tom's last album. Buffalo Tom's a, you know, fairly well-known lo local band. Very well. Um, <laughs> so I, I recorded two songs for them. Um, I did, I've done some work with Will Daly um and i did stuff for parlor bells and um i've done things for different studios so i've worked with i think i've worked with almost every studio so like woolly mammoth yeah. uh q division blue tone hanley row um yeah just i've done it, it's weird because the pandemic first of all fried my brain and i think i have no memory anymore and, but also, yeah, before the pandemic, I had been doing so many sessions and I almost lost track. I've done some work with, um, Dino Catanio, who, do you know Susan Catanio? She's actually singer songwriter. She works at Berkeley. Very well known. She's amazing. You should have her on the show. She's a wealth of information. We'll take All that right. information and run with it. <laughs> um, Come on on. And her husband is her sort of manager and he's, he's, but he does his own stuff. So I've done some sessions for him and gosh, I can't even remember. I sing backing vocals fairly often for Megan Tracy and the Misconnections for Emily Grogan band. So let's take this a step further. If you could sit on stage and be a session performer with any one artist, who would it be? Oh my God, that's so easy. Okay. So I would go with, I, this is what I've always thought. I was, I'm, I've been a teacher. I've had many, many jobs and weird little chapters of my life. When I was a teacher, I would used to tell my students, if Robert Plant walked in this door right now and said, come on tour with me right now, I wouldn't even say goodbye to you. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I love how he has cultivated his career and his music in the last 20 years. And it would be, especially when he did that, um, album with Alison Krauss, when he did Raising Sands, I was just, I was like, please let me sing with you. Um, 
yeah, him. I would love to work with Brandy Carlisle. I would love to go on tour and sing backing vocals for Yola. So mostly, uh, yeah, I guess it's again that rooted Americana vibe, but getting to sing harmonies for people like that That's would be cool. amazing. Yeah, once this album's out, Mark, I mean, you never know who who hears it and who's listening in on our podcasts and. You know, hopefully we could make some connections. Yes. Dear Brandy Carlisle. We'll send it along. (laughs) So bouncing to the next stage, you've done producing. Yeah. Tell me about what it's like to be producing on other albums or other shows or or what's your favorite part of producing? What do you, what, what's your, yeah. So I, just to be clear, I haven't really produced much on albums other than me kind of co-producing this as it was created, but, um, for shows, I don't know. I don't. I, part of me doesn't even know how I managed to get roped into doing it because it's really stressful. It's like a lot of work, yeah, a lot of work, and people, and you're working with people, and they have feelings, and um, sometimes boy, do they get in the way, right? <laughs> and I'm just like, can you not? Can you just do what I tell you? That'd be great. Um, I guess for me, the, it's just one of my natural talents to sort of have a vision of the overall picture of what needs to get done and then like what steps need to get there. And so it's, I, I think maybe one of my like superpowers is compartmentalization, which is, you know, some people think is good and some people think is bad, but like, you know, as again, we, you know, prior to the show, we talked a little bit about mental health awareness and compartmentalization is actually part of that. Um, and so, you know, as, as somebody who has, um, who lives with a lot of anxiety, who has been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, like compartmentalization is, has become one of my superpowers because that's how you cope. And so that's why. So true. Um, I'm, but, you know, plus side of that is that I'm really good at getting stuff done. Um, so that's how I end up producing these things. You know, it's like, okay, well, this is the press column and then this is the actor column and this is the music column and this is who I need to contact and, I think the other part that might actually be less less sensitive part of this is that I'm very good at noting and cultivating who I need to get other things done for me. So that's yeah. Whatever you're doing, you're doing a great job putting it putting it together. (laughs) And you know, mental health is a serious thing. And you know, unless you've been exposed to it, you don't know what it really entails. And it's great that you feel comfortable enough and you know to open up and and let people know that they're not alone. They're not the only ones that go through things. I, it's, it's a real common thing that goes on nowadays. I don't even think it's common. I think it's just, it's endemic to everybody. I think everybody has mental health stuff. I think that, you know, we, it's in, it's generational, right? We grew up, you know, people who grew up as baby boomers were told to not have those problems, right? Because the bigger picture from their parents were surviving the depression and surviving World War II, where like your little issues don't matter, Right. And then as we've gotten older and, and, and it is a very American concept or Western concept to, to individualize your experience, but it does tie to your own mental health perceptions, and which goes back to the fact that baby boomers were not allowed to actually have feelings and really express themselves. So and I'm not ba- blaming baby boomers or anything. I'm not blaming generation. I'm Generation X. And, you know, we're it's all a, a spectrum of how we've learned how we're learning to cope with things that are not okay. And that's just, you know, that's the whole trope of what it is to really focus on mental health issues. You know, I grew up, my father was in Vietnam War and grew up in a very unhealthy environment and has post-traumatic stress disorder. So a lot of the stuff that I came up with wasn't necessarily directly affecting me. It's like an epigenetic offset 
of growing up with someone who has a severe anxiety disorder. And, you know, that's what we're really doing is just really focusing on how we as individuals can cope and function now, given the previous dysfunction we had to face. You know, we were talking earlier, and I think even more as we get deeper into the conversation, I want to introduce you to Caroline Wyden and, and uh, Ronald Bernstein. Ronald and Caroline have an organization called the Me Too Orchestra, and they their entire philosophy is built off what when Ronald went through uh, coming out about being bipolar, he was a conductor of a major symphony, and he was kind of ostracized from the community for a long time, and so... Together they form this organization, and, and it's all about bringing musicians together, regardless of what your stigma is, regardless of what your mental health condition is. If you're suffering, come with, join them and work with them, and they help you work through it. And the music, obviously, is something that a lot of people find comforting and, and a way to work through things. But I would love to introduce you to those two. We're hopefully going to have them on a guest in the near future, and um, I hope you you'll be able to get in contact with them and talk to them because I think there's some things that you and, and their group might be able to do together and putting together some different yeah. shows. I love that idea. I think that's, that's the thing, right? Music is such a coping mechanism and it's such a, it's a safe space in and of itself for a lot of people. And then like they're creating a very conscious safe space and that's amazing. I love yeah. hearing about that. Watch that story develop <laughs> to our podcast listeners. You'll see that happen in the future. Sounds good, Mark. Um, so, I'm a little curious. I saw your album cover. Is there a dark side to that? Or So your album cover is a bunch of flowers, <laughs> but when you look at it, they're kind of melting. So what's going on there? What's... What's the backstory? That's a, I'm that's I'm really glad you noticed that because I didn't know if I'd, everyone would notice that. First of all, I just want to give props to the person. I, I like I like to say to everyone, it takes a village to build an Erica. Um, and <laughs> I have... <laughs> multiple people involved in helping me make all of this stuff happen. And my person that has done all of my photography and all of my art design is Jenny Bergman from the Secret Bureau of Art and Design. I, If you are a musician and you're looking for someone to help you create your own kind of image in art design, she is just a magical unicorn of a human to work with. So a lot of, I don't know if you saw some of the other pictures like of me in the tree um, and pre when like the previous singles have come out, those are all pictures she and I did a photo shoot in New Orleans. So this album, first of all, it came about because I really didn't want to be on the cover. I was like sick of looking at myself. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there is a picture of me, I think, on the inside that when the CDs come out, you'll be able to see. Um, <laughs> and so that was part of it. And then, so it was really, this is Jenny's, genius of like coming up with something that was outside of just taking a you know generic rock star photo of an artist and capturing the idea of I may have asked for this and that emotional BDSM so there is you know the songs have the there's a lightness to some of the songs but they like the words are kind of dark even undone which is like a very poppy song is kind of has like a, a darker message of like not being able to communicate well with somebody that you're into so that's kind of part of it, right? There's like a beauty, but there's a sadness to all the beauty. Yeah, when I saw that, I was a little bit curious of, of what the meaning of it was. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of <clears> like... It, it's, it, it's the kind of album that I'd see on the uh, on the wall at Strawberries or whoever, <laughs> Strawberry. sells, whoever sells records nowadays. <laughs> you mentioned dating yourself <laughs> earlier, right? <laughs> Sam um, Goodies. But, but yeah, exactly. The... Uh, 
any of those uh, HMV uh, Tower Records. Yeah, I have to um, tell you, Erica, I love the insight you're giving into your songs and into your music and the way you're describing it for listeners and people that are going to go out and, and buy your album. It really, the way you put your words to it, obviously you're lyricist. You're, you're you know, you're choosing your words very well, but it also shows a great depth in, in, in your music and it's something we appreciate. Oh no, thanks. I, I, I mean, I majored in philosophy. Maybe that's why. That could be it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it didn't do much for me career-wise, but... Erica, if we were to play another song, what song do you want us to play? Uh, so I chose Way in the Dark. Um, and then Undone and Maybe It's Me have already been released. So if anybody wants to stream those now, you can. That, so I chose Way in the Dark because that one I wrote... That one I wrote by myself. Like, it was done before I even brought it to Dan and Nate. Um, they made it amazing and better. I really have a hard time coming off as conceited or narcissistic, by the way. Like, as funny as, like, musicians are and almost all of them are narcissistic, I'm like, eh, I'm not, I swear. But so, but this song was written ahead of time. I, uh, that it was uh, written a long, long time ago when I had been in a really bad relationship, again. Um, and, <laughs> what it's true. Um, and then when it came up, when I really wanted to use it, like I'd never recorded it. I'd never done anything with it. And I just kind of really liked what I did with it. Um, I repurposed the words. It's actually not about me. It's about somebody else. Um, and that I, it's, I don't, out of respect, I don't want to like really get into too deeply, but I, I just like the darkness of it. It doesn't, it definitely captures the noir element of the album. Cool. And this song actually highlights, um, your range, your, you have an incredible range and everybody can't pull that off. And this song, you know, it, it shows in this song a few times. So, so let's take a listen. This is Erica Mantone.
What do you think of that one, Mark? Loved it. You know, I said it a minute ago. One thing that you pick up from Erica right away when you're here in the studio or you're listening to her music, she's an open book. And she wears it all on her sleeve, and it, it's so apparent and so obvious, and it's awfully refreshing. Thanks. I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, Brene Brown and her uh, efforts and work on vulnerability. So, um, Beautiful. Yeah, I think it's important that we're all just out there. Takes away all of the mystery, and then you're like, oh, okay, now I know who, you're, who you are and where you're coming from. Let's have a moment. It makes life a lot easier. Very nice. Great. Mark, can you tell people how they can find out more about us and about Erica? Well, obviously, um, on our website, you can go to www.musiciansandbeyond.com. We have all our social media there, music, Musicians and Beyond on Facebook. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. Um, we're on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, obviously. And we'll be posting all of Erica's uh, information and, and socials, and uh, her website will be up there. So go find it. Go listen download her music, stream her music, make sure you buy her music and support the artists that we have on the show. Please go out there and support them and, and really get to know the people that you're buying your music from so that you get to know you're supporting someone local and you're supporting someone that has put all the effort into this. We talk a lot about how, you know, the, the big um, media giants have stolen what it is to be an artist for a lot of people and stolen the revenue streams that were there at one point. Not that they do it for the music, but it was the way that they make their living. And it's all been cut down. And it's all because of the big, big media giants really have taken the profits for themselves. And so we need to be out there supporting the local musicians and making sure that they have a way to do what they do and live their lives and bring the music to us. So check out Erica Mantone at Erica, E-R-I-C-A, Mantone, M-A-N-T-O-N-E, dot com. And Erica, I want to thank you for taking all this time out of your busy schedule, coming in with that big smiling face, telling us your story, everything, your your life, your music, your writing abilities. And, you know, it, it was fantastic to have you in, and we want to thank you. Thank you, guys. It's been a real pleasure. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. So, and let's just one more time. Album comes out when? Album comes out on May 10th, available on all streaming platforms. And it'll be, you can get it through my website. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I like Instagram friends. Um, my Instagram is E Rocka Mantone. So it's E R O C K A and then M A N T O N E. And then I guess the other thing is that I have an actual EP release show. So if you happen to hear this before, uh, if, you, and if you live in the area, the Boston, greater Boston, Somerville area, my release show is going to be at the Burren on May 14th. The Burren is in Somerville and Davis Square. The band Other Brother Daryl is opening, which is Dan Nicklin and Nate Levitt's other band. And actually, I'm just, if you don't mind, I'm just going to take up a little bit of space for this originally um, Dave Marabella, who is a huge uh, mainstay of the Boston music scene, just passed away this past week, very suddenly. And he was part of that band. And so he will not be able to perform, obviously, on that show. We do have a backup plan in place, um, but I am going to dedicate the show to him because it's a huge loss to the community. So they'll be playing. It's also the same day as Somerville Porch Fest. So if you're at wandering around Somerville and hearing some local live music, you can just roll right into the burn. Although I've been told as of today, we only have 40 tickets left. So if you're going to go get the tickets. Well, that's good news to hear that your tickets are selling. Yes. (laughs) We're very sad to hear about the loss of Dave. It's a big loss for the music community and our thoughts of 
and prayers are with his family and all of his friends. And so thank you for sharing thank that you. with us. And I'm, I'm happy um, that you, you've been able to experience that friendship and learn from him. And um, He was a mensch of the community, that is for sure. Our thoughts are with you all as, as uh, you go forward. I know it's probably going to be a difficult, bittersweet evening, yes. but um, go out. Promote your shows with us. Let us know when we can tell other people to follow you. No, thanks. I and uh, great job today. Thank you for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me. It really uh, was thanks fun. Thanks again, Erica. It was a pleasure. And once again, we'd like to thank you all that are listening out in the podcast world and following us. And uh, thank you for being our friend. 